Wednesday, December 27, 2017. Welcome back to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and uh, this might be a record. Two podcasts inside of 24 hours. I'm not sure we've ever done that before. And I know I've never podcasted from a balcony at a resort in Florida before, but but here we are. What's up, Norlander? I'm looking at the beautiful Florida sky. All right. Okay. Um, listen, this podcast, one of the things I'm most proud about it is the fact that we've done some random podcasts at some random times in some random places, I can definitively say we have never done one with one of us on a balcony. Um, we can say that now. Uh, do you have your entire family on the other side of a glass door? Yes, uh, my entire family on the other side of a glass door. We had to record this early because – are you flying today? No, I fly tomorrow morning. Okay, so this is totally my fault. We had to record this early because uh, we've been at Disney all week since a couple of days before Christmas, and today is my – I was going to say three-year-old, but now he's four-year-old. It's his birthday, my middle son, uh, little Ollie. And so um, we're going to, uh, Ma- uh, not the Magic Kingdom, but Hollywood Studios. I don't know, one of the Disney things today. And so, you know, you got to get out the door, right? So the plan was to record a podcast early before we uh, battled a million different people at a uh, amusement park again. And so I could like get my family out of the room very, very early in the morning. But I, I don't know how many of you listening have three children, two of whom are uh, under the age of four. But, like, good luck with that. It's just impossible. Plus, it'll make your wife hate you. And so um, my initial plan, and Norland and I discussed this, I was like, yo, we rented a minivan while we're here. So I'll just go to the minivan, and I'll just record in the minivan. It'll be fine. And I, I actually attempted that, but there was there's no good way to record a podcast with my mic set up in a minivan. But I was going to be like Big Cat PFT. I felt like sort of like I, maybe we were doing a Barstool podcast. And then I realized, nope, not going to be able to go to the minivan. And so then I came to the balcony. So now I'm in a balcony. It's possible you'll hear other things going on. Or my kid just starts screaming for no reason on the other side of this glass. That's what I'm waiting on is for uh, little Ollie to start banging on the glass. I think that uh, I think that would be a great add to the podcast. How many floors up are you, by the way? And are you looking into some sort of courtyard, or are you just looking over a generic Florida highway? What's what's your vista? I am looking over a courtyard from the second floor, from a balcony on the second floor. Oh. So yeah, looking over, yeah, look a beautiful, beautiful little courtyard. Yeah, but you're great landscape. That's that's that could be tempting to to passersby. Um, so <laughs> you're exactly right. But like when you have again, when you have three kids, uh, they, they say, hey, do you have a floor preference as low as possible? Not trying to go up, not trying to go as, to, 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 for two reasons. A, um, if you're on the sixth floor, that means you've got to take kids up the sixth floor. It means you've got to take bags, a bunch of bags up to the sixth floor. Not interested in that. And then also it just uh, increases the possibility of tragedy. Like you just don't, you just don't want your four-year-old on the sixth floor on a balcony. Like even yeah. though it's completely enclosed and and uh, it'd be hard to, to to commit suicide off of this balcony, it's still still theoretically possible. So yeah, second floor fine. Like from here, probably worst thing can happen to him is maybe a, a broken arm or something. Uh, from the sixth floor, I mean, I don't have to tell you. You've seen the movies, right? Oh uh, yeah. In fact, you know, it's diehard season. Although that was about you know <laughs> fifty-five floors up at Nakatomi, but yeah. I will say, I will say this. Um, this is the first time I've ever had a minivan. If you have three children 
There is absolutely no reason on the planet not to have a minivan other than you're just too superficial to have a minivan. That is one of the things, perhaps the only thing I've learned this week uh, in Florida is that uh, I've got to convince my wife that she's not too superficial to own a minivan, that it's time to own a minivan. They're unbelievable and just so much easier. Like we, we like every time we try to actually get our five person family into one of our vehicles, which means her vehicle because I just drive a car. Uh, it's just like you, you don't know where to go. It's like it's it, it's space is too tight. Like it's just, everybody's crammed. And this minivan, like you just lay out. Like I mean, you can't record a podcast in it, but like you can travel in it pretty easily. And so I'm a big believer in minivans now. I wasn't before. I was yeah. like, man, why why would it? Anybody have a minivan? Now I know why. Well, you have three kids, you should have a minivan. One of my closest friends, uh, in fact, uh, he just announced on Christmas Day that he is expecting his third, and oh, so wow. they will be trading in my, one of my, cars. My, 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 my condolences. Yeah, exactly. And uh, very difficult trading in one of their cars for a minivan is what I'm getting at here. So I just had this conversation with one of my closest friends like two days ago, three days ago. So it's well, you tell him he, you tell him he's smart. And he's making a good decision because, uh, like, uh, it's just it just makes your whole life easier. Like, you don't have to cram bags in somewhere. You don't have to whatever. Your your teenager doesn't have to like sit all scrunched up in the back. It's just it's it's it's. Uh, I'm a big believer in uh, in minivans now. Third row. It's all about that third Are you, row. I well, we have a third row, and it, it, okay, go ahead. I want to know like how your mic is set up. Like, do you have a small little end table out there? Is this thing on your lap? Yeah. What's going on? No, it's like a little it's a little table, like you know, a little table you might have on a balcony, right? Man, how about that? The things we yeah, do for nice. our listeners here. But we have to get yeah. three done. And in order to get three done, we had to do one on this Wednesday morning. And then at some point, I believe the plan is come Friday at some point. We don't know when. Maybe it'll be Saturday, but I think we're gonna try for Friday to get that third episode in to recap uh, some of what happened on Friday and then preview the weekend. But for this episode we're going to stick mostly with the Big 12, whose league play will start before we have our next podcast. So, GP, the floor is yours. So, literally nothing has uh, happened since the last time we spoke on this podcast, which was, you know, again, less than 24 hours ago. Nothing's happened in the in the world of college basketball. Uh, but, you know, for scheduling purposes, we need to record another podcast just so you, uh, in the spirit of transparency, I'm going to be at Disney until tomorrow morning fly home on thursday morning um then i've got memphis lsu sideline duty for cbs sports network it's a nine o'clock eastern tip on cbs sports network um and then i've got to fly to kentucky first thing friday morning so that i can be at louisville kentucky on friday afternoon that's on cbs a 1 p.m eastern tip cbs of course is america's most watched network it's the network of stars meantime you're like going to where, Indiana? Like Butler, Notre Dame? Where are you uh, going? Butler, Villanova, plus some, you know, swinging by Notre Dame, doing some stuff there. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll both be on the move yeah. there. I fly out tomorrow, and then I fly home. I fly home late, late, late Saturday night, and uh, it's going to be like one degree in Connecticut, by the way. <laughs> it's apparently we're going to have uh, and potential for snow as well, so hopefully I'll, I'll travel both yours and mine. It's not affected by any uh, adverse weather here. Meantime, I'm sitting in shorts on a balcony right now. Yeah, you are. Yep. It's beautiful. Like I could. You probably I, spent like four hundred and fifty dollars on toys that your children are never going to play with after twenty eight. You know what? We've been pretty good about that. Not a lot of crazy spending on stuff that we will lose the moment we get back into our home. The like the spending has been. Yeah. 
I, I know. We still got one more day, and it is his birthday, so this one could get out of hand. But so far, um, so good. Two things I could get used to, this Florida weather in the winter and minivans. I down with Florida weather in the winter and the minivans. So we're recording in this window because this is one of the few windows that we have. And while acknowledging nothing's really happened since last time we talked, but like Norlander pointed out, the Big 12 schedule does get started uh, tomorrow. And so I wanted to spend some time on the Big 12. Obviously, Kansas has won 13 consecutive Big 12 titles. That ties UCLA's record. And so one more, and the Jayhawks uh, are going to make history. Uh, but if they get it, 14 straight, they are going to have to survive an incredible league. Because right now, the Big 12 is ranked first at Ken Palm. they got four teams in the top 15, seven in the top 35, nine in the top 50. And every school in the league, there's 10 of them, I guess, um, is in the top 80 at Ken Palm. No other league, I looked this up last night, no other league has every member in the top 80 at Kempom, but the Big 12 has everybody in the top 80. And Iowa State is the lowest Big 12 Kempom team. Uh, Iowa State is, I think, like 76. So, yeah, there's 76, which means, check this out. This is, according to Kempom, a factually accurate statement. The easiest place to get a road win in the Big 12 this season should be Hilton Coliseum. That's bananas, right? Hilton Magic. It is bananas. The Big 12, uh, you know, for those who might not have uh, read it, I had a story go up uh, last week just about the 20 biggest surprises in college hoops, and I had the Big 12's dominance potentially having a historic season as one of them because I think it could enter into Big 12 play. Well, it will enter, and it could enter into January, mid-January, with all 10 of its teams still optimistically rationally hoping to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, that would be incredible. Last season, I know we've pl- mentioned this plenty of times uh, over the months on the pod, but um, at Kempom specifically, I mean, if you looked at KPI, at the Sagarin ratings, the Big 12 was also definitively the best uh, conference in America, so multiple uh, empirical metrics are, are showing that. Um, the efficiency margin of the Big 12 last season was 19.81. Now, right now, the efficiency margin of the Big 12 is at 18.38, so it actually has not quite uh, been as good as it was last year. Uh, remember, though, that can still go up because there's still the Big 12 SEC Challenge, so there are still are non-conference games against good opponents for the league still to come. It could still up its overall non-con performance. And last season, the worst-rated team was 70th, and that was Texas. Every, so every team was in the top 70 of Ken Palm. The Big 12 is tracking toward that again, only Iowa State, because you mentioned they're 76. Every other team is in the top 50 right now. Right. So what's incredible about the Big 12 is in the here and now how good it's been yet again and I think it's gone beyond expectation because last season a lot of people saw how deep the ACC was and how good it was at the top and that was true but top to bottom the Big 12 was best does the Big 12 benefit by the fact that it has 10 teams in the ACC Big 10 SEC are dealing with 14 15 teams absolutely there's no doubt about that when you've got more teams you're going to be more vulnerable to be weaker at the bottom than a 10 team league in most years, but that doesn't matter. Like to see how good the Big 12 has been consistently this season and dating back. I mean, it is rated as the top conference in Ken Palm. I think four years going now, and it's not just Kansas that's doing that. One team alone, two teams, three teams cannot do that. It really takes the entire village, so to speak. It takes an entire conference to be able to pull that off. So we are there again right now. The only team with three losses or more is Texas at nine and three. 
Texas is a team that has a lottery pick, uh, probably at least two draft picks, maybe three on its on its roster. And from a record standpoint, they're the worst team so far this season. TCU is still undefeated. Uh, Kansas is projected to win the league, but yet it has more losses than Texas Tech, Oklahoma, West Virginia, TCU at this point. Even Oklahoma State has that win over Florida State. There have been bright spots for every single team. Iowa State is on a nine-game winning streak right now. They've got, if you check the Frosh Watch, they've got a top 10 freshman in America in Lindell Wigginton, who has been very, very good, and as good as I think Steve Prohm needed him to be so far this season. So across the board with the Big 12, uh, the league has, has lived up to its own standards and expectations, I think, this season, and I'm glad we decided to talk about this, even though we needed another pod GP, because I think the league gets some due. I'm not saying that it's like, oh, my God, it's massively underrated. No, it's not. People give the Big 12 its credit, but I still don't think it gets enough credit because when the ACC is really, really good and when the Big East has been very good, not just Villanova, I think that those leagues have been given plenty of credit, um, and the Big 12 could still use even more because of how reliable it's been. Texas Tech... Yeah, it's old, but no one thought it was going to be you know this good despite all of its veteran experience. West Virginia uh, at eleven and one right now has is on is similar to Iowa State. It's on a really long winning streak after dropping uh, its first game of the season. Remember, we were like, well, what's up with the Big Twelve? What's up with West Virginia when it couldn't even stay with Texas A and M? Well, since then, West Virginia is on an absolute tear. It's going to open up on Friday at Oklahoma State. I think that's a pretty fascinating game personally. And then Kansas State, which people I know. Don't really get all fired up about the about the Wildcats here. The ten and two um, played Arizona State really really close back in November. Um, they've got a tricky one at Iowa State. So on the whole, uh, it, it's it's really impressive to see the Big Twelve be this good yet again. There just is no guarantee that this would happen. Maybe next year the league will take a step down, but it could potentially be even better this season than next season and uh, than last season, I should say. And last season, from a Ken Palm standpoint, its efficiency margin was greater than any other league in the history of Ken Palm. So that gives you a real sense of how balanced deep and dangerous this league is. I think I think realistically we're going to find that we get seven teams into the Big 12 into the NCAA tournament and I don't think eight is out of the question but I do believe that if you're going to get eight most of the teams that play in that SEC Big 12 challenge are probably going to need that non-conference win because the strength of the non-conference performance overall is going to is going to what is going to be what's putting those teams over the top. I was texting with somebody who's an administrator in the Big 12 I don't know within the past 48 hours and he said he thinks it'll be eight. He says he thinks they can get eight into the NCAA tournament. Um, and it's just, it's unbelievable how consistently good all of these programs are. I was talking to Jamie Dixon, the TCU coach, uh, maybe last week for that story I did on TCU. And, you know, Jamie's obviously coached in the Big East. He's coached in the ACC. He's now coaching in the Big 12. And he said, you know, people don't believe me when I say it. But, like, I'm the guy who should know. I've coached in all the uh, – I've coached – you know, the other, quote, great league is what – you know, the ACC. And it's clearly better at the top, or I think it's usually better at the top. But Jamie said this is tougher. The Big 12 is tougher because in the ACC – and this is the point I've made before, and um, he sort of confirmed it for me from a coach's perspective. In the ACC, in the Big 10, in the SEC, in most leagues, basically every league, there's a place where you can point to and say, okay, we're fine there. Like, okay, we'll get that one. Okay, that's on the road, but no problem. He's like, you, you can't pencil in wins in the Big 12 on the road. And you really can't pencil in wins at home. He's like, like we don't have bad teams. And it's much easier to be in a league 
with some really great teams as long as you got some bad teams at the bottom or some mediocre teams somewhere because then you can get your wins. Like in the ACC, and Jamie didn't make this point, but I think he would agree with it, you don't have to beat Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, Virginia. You know, that's where everybody says, oh, you're in a league with Duke, Carolina, Miami, Virginia, Louisville. Yeah, but you don't have to beat them. Like Buzz Williams has got a very difficult job in the Virginia, at Virginia Tech relative to the other programs in that league. He doesn't have to be better than Duke and North Carolina to get in the NCAA tournament. He's got to be better than Clemson. He's got to be better than Florida State. He's got to be better than those comparable programs. Um, you can, because there's enough other places to get your wins. In the Big 12, where are you getting wins? Like I said right now, the uh, lowest rated Ken Palm team is Iowa State. That, that, that should be a place where you should be able – you should always be able to look at the – at least by one metric, the worst team in your league and say, okay, we can go beat them at their place. But in the Big 12, to say that this year, it means you got to go win at Hilton, which is in college basketball widely considered to be one of the most difficult things to do. Um, you know, that nickname is there for a reason. And I think when you're trying to figure out, okay, well, how did the Big 12 get this good? I, I don't think it's like that complicated. Look at the coaches involved. At Kansas, Hall of Famer, Bill Self. At West Virginia, I think a guy who belongs in the Hall of Fame and will get in the Hall of Fame, Bob Huggins. At Oklahoma, a guy who probably belongs in the Hall of Fame, Lon Kruger. At TCU, Jamie Dixon took Pitt to 11 NCAA tournaments in 13 years. At Texas Tech, Chris Beard has had a remarkable start to his coaching career, is respected as a quality coach within the sport. At Baylor, one of the most consistent winners in all of college basketball, the guy who is the architect of, of arguably the greatest turnaround in college sports history, rebuilding college sports history, that's, that's Scott Drew at Baylor. Uh, Shaka Smart, coaching star. Been you know, everybody wanted four. to hire. Been to a Final Four. That's at Texas. Um, Iowa State, Steve Prohm did great things at Murray State. Has been able to keep things good at Iowa State, replacing a legend in Fred Hoiberg. At Kansas State, I know KSU fans get frustrated with Bruce Weber. Been to a Final Four. But that, but been to a Final Four, and to the extent that people are frustrated with Bruce, it's got nothing to do with can he coach his team. He's widely regarded as a, as a really good basketball coach. And I guess the only question mark is that Oklahoma State and Mike Boynton, and that's only because he's just too early to know. Yeah. But like, I, I think you can reasonably say 8 out of 10 schools in the Big 12, I, think the, I don't think you could say this about any other league, 80% of the schools in the Big 12 wouldn't trade, wouldn't change their coach if they could. The only ones that might would be Oklahoma State, but it's just with Mike, it's just so early, you don't know. And Kansas State, because, you know, KSU fans are frustrated. They want, you know, they want to do what they were doing under Frank Martin. But 80%, the other schools, I don't think they would change their coaches, which is pretty remarkable. I bet you couldn't say that about any other league. Right. Relative to, like, you know, people are going to swap out prone for Shashevsky, but you're talking oh, like about prone yeah. for just like, you know, average, cut, like, you know, take your chance. Are, yeah. Coach. Are you happy with with the yeah. job your coach is yeah. doing? I bet 80 percent of the schools would say yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's uh, the coaching has been a, has been a big, big part of it. And even like, you know, Kruger has NBA experience. Um, you can look up and down and see what these coaches have accomplished. And, and yeah, even like even Beard, who's relatively young into his head coaching career, uh, to see what he was able to do with Little Rock. And uh, he's, you know, Tech fans might be as uh, dedicated to him as Kansas fans are with Self because Beard actually preferred to be at Texas Tech. He walked away from working in Las Vegas to get this Texas Tech job. And he really, I mean, we, 
GP, you could be sitting on a balcony 20 years from now, and Beard might still be at the coach of tech, at Texas Tech. If they have decent amounts of success, and we know like the expectations there aren't massive, uh, he might just be the kind of guy that wants to, to coach there forever. So um, to see them be this good this fast is, uh, is really remarkable. And, yes, the league overall – is fantastic. Um, don't want to just you know hammer that home too point too hard, but I think people deserve to to be more aware of this. Right now in the Kempom rankings, it's the Big Twelve, then it's the ACC. Right now in the efficiency margin ratings, uh, Big Twelve's at eighteen point three eight. The ACC's at fifteen point five nine. Okay, to give you an idea of how good the Big Twelve is from the rest of the uh, of the conferences, that difference right there is greater than the difference between the number two league, the ACC, and the number five league in the Big Ten. Uh, the Big 12, the ACC gap alone is bigger than the ACC's uh, gap with the Big East and the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, it's been a magnificent run. And uh, before we get into the games and we get into that seat uh, degree, which I know I'm really excited for, I just wanted to ask if we think Kansas, like, are, are we ready to actually entertain the realistic end game of Kansas not finishing atop the standings. Personally, I am not. I still think that Kansas will get this figured out. I can absolutely see a situation here where they get into league play. Yes, the league is tough. They take on some losses. But Devontae Graham turns into a Big 12 player of the year, caliber player. Um, things start to click down low with Azubuki. We'll see uh, regarding uh, D'Souza and uh, Preston, if and when these guys get on the floor. But if they add more depth, they could certainly uh, make a big-time difference. So I will maintain the philosophy, Gary, that I have had for, I think, at least five years now, and that is I will never pick against Kansas to finish atop the Big 12 standings until it actually fails to do so because I have seen so many Kansas teams over the years um, be plenty good, but also have you know a team or two in the standings that look to be nearly as good or can challenge them, and then it simply does not happen. Kansas wins a game on the road that has no business winning, so on and so forth. I will pick Kansas, although I will say, I don't know if it was you and me talking about this, but like someone was talking to me about this. I thought I heard this. Like this Kansas team. Um, oh, I remember who I was talking about. I was talking with a, a Kansas alum about this, um, who happens to work in the media. And uh, he was saying there's something different with this Kansas team. There have been years where uh, Kansas has been, you know, a top 10 team in the polls and they've been so well coached and they have just won games. They do not have business winning. And this season, I'm telling you, it feels different. I don't think that they're going to be able to do this. They'll still be good. They'll still get in the tournament. But um, whereas in years past, I believe that they would just somehow find a way to do it because of the guys they had. I don't love their, their personnel. I don't love this, this small lineup that they have, and they aren't deep enough right now. So I'm actually – this is the Kansas fan speaking to me saying, you know, I, I think actually for the first time this is, uh, this is going to really be truly in jeopardy. Um, I will not agree with that. I'm going to still take Kansas. What about you? I would take Kansas to win the league. I mean, I'd be, if you're given – hey, name the team that you think is going to win the Big 12 and you don't pick Kansas, you're ignoring history, ignoring the roster, ignoring Bill Self. Um yeah, they've got they're the obvious pick. But I would say this. And the reason Kansas has, has been able to put together the streak, which is remarkable, and something I've said will never be done at the power five level again. Now I could see it being done outside of the power five structure because you get somebody in a situation like uh Mark Fewitt at, at Gonzaga, even though he hasn't done it. 
But like you get a situation where one program in a league is just so much better than the other programs in the league. And they've got a Hall of Fame coach who just doesn't want to leave for some reason. I could see it happening because those are the types of leagues where if you, you know, the West Coast Conference, the old Conference USA, the Missouri Valley when Wichita was in it. You know, those are the types of leagues where if you really commit to your program, just throw money at it like you're a Power 5 school and then keep your, you know, Hall of Fame level coach like Greg Marshall or Mark Few or at Memphis and CUSA, John Calipari, you can just separate yourself from everybody else. Whereas in the ACC, you can't separate yourself from everybody else. In the Big Ten, you can't separate yourself from everybody else. Even if you're awesome at Michigan State, there's, there's still the, always the possibility that Indiana's awesome or Michigan's awesome or whatever. Maryland's awesome. Like you've got programs that spin uh, you know, in comparable ways and invest in comparable ways and recruit in comparable ways where you can really separate yourself in a in a non, let's just say, power seven league, uh, but but it's hard to do it inside of of that power structure. But at the power at the big at the power five level, uh, so the, the the big big leagues that play football, um, I don't think you'll ever see what Kansas has done again. And the reason Kansas has been able to do it, I mean, the obvious ones, they got a, like literally a Hall of Fame coach and they recruited the highest level. Um, but they they you can go ahead and record nine home wins for them every year in the league. I mean, maybe eight, but certainly eight or nine. So then, okay, what's it going to take to win the Big 12 this year? 13? Huh. I mean, thir- 13 wins? Yeah, I mean, you could yeah. probably – you could maybe go 13 and five or even 12 and six. Kempom's got it at 12 and six will be a projected champion. So let's just say it's slightly off. Let's go to 13 and five. Well, if you can get nine at home, then you've just got to go what? Four and five on the road in your league. Under 500 on the road in your league to get to 13 league wins to to get the trophy, so like they've got a massive advantage in Allen Fieldhouse. They just do not lose there, and that's the way they've been able to put this together. So, or at least among the reasons they've been able to put this together. So, if the question is who's winning the league, who would you pick? Pick Kansas. But let me ask you this, because the same thing I asked you yesterday about Villanova in the Big East. Okay, we both picked Villanova to win the Big East. Obviously, would you take the field or Villanova? And we both still took Villanova, which is a testament to what Jay's got going there. Same question with the Big 12. Yeah, we'll take Kansas over Texas Tech. We'll take Kansas over West Virginia. We'll take Kansas over Oklahoma, over TCU, over Baylor, over Texas, over everybody. But would you take Kansas over the field? Would you take Kansas over all of them? No. If I, get, I don't I, think I would, I would either. This, I would, I, here's what I'm saying. Like The, the key distinction here, because I think it's happened in two of the previous 13 years, is Kansas has finished atop the standings. There have been other teams. So actually, if you're allowing me to take the field, what I would do is I would take Kansas still to finish atop the standings, but it will not be alone atop the standings. I think it will share the regular season title with another team this season. You don't think somebody – and the, you know, for the purposes of clarification, the only way Kansas' Big 12 title string gets snapped – Somebody's got to finish first, and they've got to finish not first. Yes, tied for correct. first. Tied, tied for first extends it to fourteen years. So you're saying you wouldn't take the field uh, to fit anybody? West Virginia, TCU, Oklahoma, Baylor doesn't matter. Just somebody's got to finish. Still wouldn't. I, I will not do it until I will not do it until uh, they don't do it. And the only way I would uh, I would hedge on that, yes, is I I would I would take if you're asking me to take Kansas standalone the top of the league or. Kansas sharing the standings, I would take them sharing the standings this season because I think West Virginia, Oklahoma, and TCU are the three candidates to do it, and I think one of them will uh, will 
will match them in the in the regular season standings at the end of the season. If you gave me a hundred thousand dollars and said I had to bet it on, yeah, um, either Kansas at least having a share of the title, or I could have any of the other I'm nine teams. Kansas. You're going to take the field. I think I would take the field. Yeah. I think the, I would. Pro- that is the better choice, by the way. Oh, that's the better choice. I, I think I would take the field because, like, your one Devontae Graham turned ankle out for two weeks. Like, it's it's something like that. And all you need is, I mean, like, who's beating Oklahoma right now? I mean, outside of Arkansas, obviously. But, yeah. like, I, I mean, who's messing around with them? And then uh, West Virginia is just difficult. Like, I just think there's not enough difference between Kansas, West Virginia, and I'll say Oklahoma. Although I got TCU up there and Texas Tech up there, too. I, 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 TCU still needs to prove it. I think Texas Tech probably still needs to prove it a little bit, but I'm I feel good about West Virginia. I feel good about Oklahoma. I just don't think there's that much difference between Kansas, Texas Tech. I mean Kansas, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and really a, a handful of these schools that any sort of just unfortunate thing that happens—a twisted ankle, a pulled hamstring, a kicked car, a, a car that <laughs> they can't find proper paperwork for—I mean, you just don't know. Um, I, I might take my $100,000 and put it on the field above Kansas. But um, if you're asking for pick the team that's going to at the very least share the, the the Big 12 title and I can only pick one team, of course, uh, you pick the Kansas Jayhawks. Let me tell you about SeatGeek. He's the best ticket purchasing app in the whole wide world. You can get tickets to anything, college basketball games, bowl games, NFL games, concerts, whatever you want. And if you use the promo code COLLEGEBB, that's COLLEGEBB, you're going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, at this point, I don't know why you would even be involved in getting your first SeatGeek purchase. Like, that should be so far in your past by now. You should not be a 40-year-old first-time SeatGeek purchaser. Didn't they make a movie about that with Steve Carell or something? They did, yes. You, you have right. plot exactly right. Yep. You should never get to the age of 40 without ever having at least one time made a SeatGeek purchase app. But if, if you qualify – then remember, promo code COLLEGEBB. That's COLLEGEBB to get $20 off your first SeatGeek uh, purchase. And SeatGeek, uh, it's going to save you time and money because it's going to search multiple ticket sites to make sure you're finding the best seat, the best value, to make sure you're not getting ripped off. Everything is fully guaranteed. So once upon a time, yeah, I used to do it too. Search this site, that site, another site to make sure you're finding the best uh, seat or seats for what you want, best price. Make sure you get the best value. Make sure you're not getting ripped off. Don't have to do that anymore. You go to SeatGeek. They handle all the searches for you. They're going to find you the best seats. They're going to find you the best value. Everything is fully guaranteed. So next time you need tickets to anything, anything, football games, basketball games, doesn't matter, concerts, you get on that SeatGeek app. If you haven't downloaded yet, go download it and then use the promo code COLLEGEBB. That's COLLEGEBB to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. So, there are three ranked Big 12 teams on the road on Friday. Let's walk through them. Number seven, West Virginia, is at Oklahoma State. Number 18, Baylor, is at number 22, Texas Tech. Number 11, Kansas, is at Texas. Obviously, Baylor is at risk because Texas Tech is legit good. Like, i assuming even though Baylor is the higher-ranked team, Baylor is going to be an underdog um, in Lubbock, Texas. But what about the other two? Number seven, West Virginia at unranked Oklahoma State. Number 11, Kansas at unranked Texas. You worried about either one of them? I'm going to take Oklahoma State to beat West Virginia. I think this will be an outcome that makes people discuss even more how good the Big 12 will be this season. I think it's a really good opportunity for Boynton and the Cowboys to get uh, a big-time win on their home floor 
And, I, you know, I, for the psyche of that team, for the psyche of that fan base, um, I think it will be a, a pretty, pretty huge deal. And uh, I like I like the Cowboys to uh, to win that game uh, because it's on the home floor. Now, I will note this. It is it is break, uh, Christmas break, obviously. Right. And Oklahoma State has had issues filling that building. Um, it's really one of the more vexing things in college basketball. So West Virginia could walk into a, a relatively docile environment there, which could work to its advantage. So if the Mountaineers do wind up winning, um, that won't be the only reason, but those kind of things absolutely have an effect. You talk to any coach, and they'll tell you when you're playing on the road the difference between playing in a packed house for a, a big-time game, a big-time environment, versus, okay, you're going on the road, and you know 65% of the building is full. It can definitely make a huge difference. But I will still take Oklahoma State to win that game. Uh, Kansas at Texas, I will take oh, – man, didn't Kansas get out of here with, like – they got out of here with robbery a year or two ago. I thought that was – I know what happened at Texas. It was a Big 12 game. I can't remember if it was Kansas or not. But um, I'll take the Jayhawks here. Oh, boy, if they lose this game to start the season uh, in Big 12 play, that will be very interesting. But give me, uh, give me the Jayhawks, teams that are built differently um, – Kansas right now has a top 10 defense. Um, Muhammad Bamba on the other side with Texas has been a borderline top 10 freshman. He's been good, can still be better. Uh, I, I like the Jayhawks here in this spot. Barely, I will say like 71-68. A three-point outcome there. Um, but let's, uh, let's, let's see if Kansas can show up and, and really, you know, make an announcement that it's it's still the team to take down in this league. Uh, so I'll take the Jayhawks on the road. I'll take Oklahoma State at home. And then, yes, I will definitely take Texas Tech at home. They've proven to be certainly good enough at this point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Baylor won. Uh, I would. It would be eyebrow-raising to me if they did, though. I think Texas Tech has the goods, and the Red Raiders should uh, start off the Big 12 season 1-0. and oh. Those three games. Number seven, West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Number 18, Baylor at number 22, Texas Tech. Number 11, Kansas at unranked Texas. I think two of the road teams lose. I think Baylor loses at Texas Tech. And I think either West Virginia or Kansas Make loses. Pick, I, I don't know which Pin one. I don't know which None one. of this like, well, one of the two is going to happen. Just make a pick. It's just a prediction. Who cares? West Virginia wins at Oklahoma State. And then Texas Brings in the 13-time reigning Big 12 champions. What are they going to do? Into Austin. And then Shaka Smart's Longhorns. Say it into the Florida air, GP. Texas straight up over the Jayhawks. Texas straight up over the Jayhawks. Texas straight up over the Jayhawks. I think Texas beats them. I just think Kansas is um I think Kansas is good, really good. It's all relative. Like we got I got this one guy screaming at me yesterday on on Twitter. He's clearly a Kentucky fan. I don't know what his deal was, but he was like I mean he was like like legit cussing me out on Twitter talking about how much we hated Kentucky. I'm like, I don't hate Kentucky. What are you talking about? I just I said I don't think Kentucky's uh that good right now. And that um, I don't think Kentucky I'll be surprised at this point if Kentucky ever gets as good as what its preseason record suggested. Like, I don't even think that's a crazy thing to say. I think Kentucky still be a top 15 team. But like in the preseason, they were in the top five. Do I think Kentucky is going to prove to be a top five team? Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't count it out. John Calipari is really good. But um, again, if you give me $100,000 and bet whether Kentucky finishes as a top five team this year, I'd say probably not right now. But it's like it's all relative. Kentucky's still good. 
Same thing with Kansas. I, I don't think Kansas is as good right now, right now at this moment on December 27th as we thought it was going to be in the preseason. Somewhat because like they don't have their full roster. Like Billy Preston's not playing. Um, I mean, I don't think that's all of it, but I think that's some of it. But again, it's always relative with these types of programs. When I say I don't think Kansas is that good right now, it doesn't mean I think Kansas is uh, Iowa. <laughs> you know, it just means I just don't think Kansas is good right now or relative to what we thought Kansas was going to be. But I still think Kansas is going to be good. I just picked them to win a Big 12. Uh, but I could see them getting caught at Texas. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think two of the road teams, two of the road teams lose because it's uh, – it's difficult to win in college basketball on the road, particularly when you're in a league like the Big 12. Have we spent enough time talking about how awesome the Big 12 is? We have. I want you to have a wonderful day at Hollywood Studios and uh, have, a, have a safe trip back home. Yep. Uh, flying with three children is uh, oh, an adventure God. unto itself. I'm sure that uh, <laughs> you'll just be hoping you can get through that without uh, everyone around you. And uh, when you are traveling and you see people – Traveling with children, yes, it can be uh, stressful for you. I assure you it is 17 times more stressful and guilt-ridden for the people that are actually bringing children. So that will be Parish tomorrow. Yeah. And as I said, we'll try and podcast here at some point on Friday. No promises. At the latest, it will be done on Saturday because we are contractually mandated to do so. Even worse than just flying with three children is, because I had to get back early, um, is flying with three children and a flight that departs at 7 a.m. Yeah, forget it. I mean, that's, yeah, that's... That, that means that means hey, let's get the kids up at 4:45. They'll be they'll be filled with joy then. This three kids thing, man. I tell you, I love them all. I love them all. Wouldn't trade them for anything. But man, it's yeah. not easy. It's not easy. I, I had a basketball coach put it to me this way: When you have two kids, he explained the difference. He said, when you got two kids, you can play man to man. When you get three kids, gotta start playing zone. Difficult. <laughs> you guys can't play man to man anymore when you get three. I was like, that's a good way to put it. It does uh it does get difficult. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chelsea, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Shouts to this balcony. Shouts to my minivan. And remember, you can subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via iTunes. So please go do that. It makes a difference. Subscribe, rate it favorably, write nice comments, and we will talk to you again probably Friday evening after Kentucky Louisville. Till then, take care.